thankful for that goodness and mercy. Why don't you lift your voice unto the Lord? Hallelujah. Oh, bless the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and mercy that follows us and pursues us. Lord, we have come into your house today to lift our hearts and our hands and our voices unto you and to declare your greatness and your glory in this atmosphere. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, I turn your attention to the book of Luke, chapter 19. We're going to be hearing more from the Wilbanks tonight. Amen. Invite your friends and neighbors. Let's come back tonight and let's just have a great evening of celebration and praise on this Palm Sunday. Luke chapter 19 and verse 35. That's part of what I want to talk to you about today. Luke 19, 35. And they brought him to Jesus. And they cast their garments upon the colt, and they set Jesus thereon. And as he went, they spread their clothes in the way. And when he was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice. Everybody say, with a loud voice. People that don't think that you ought to worship God with passion and fervor and volume need to read the Bible. They worship God with a loud voice for all of the mighty works that they had seen. How many of you can lift your hand and say, you've seen God do some mighty works in your life? Here's what they were saying. Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees, they're always lurking around somewhere. Some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. No, no, no. You can't worship. This is too much. It's too extravagant. It's too emotional. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you, that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm glad I can still go into the house of the Lord and lift my voice and declare His glory and His greatness. Oh, bless the Lord, bless the Lord, bless the Lord. I want to speak this morning for the next 20 or 25 minutes on this subject, the praise of stony ground. The praise of stony ground. God bless you. You may be seated. The book of Matthew tells the same story, and it says in the 21st chapter that a great, very great multitude spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way. That's where you get the saying Palm Sunday. 
They cut down palm branches and they laid them out in the street. They took off their garments and their clothes. They not only put them on the colt that he rode, but they also put them out in the street so that they could prepare the way of Jesus coming into Jerusalem. That triumphant entry into Jerusalem for Jesus on this special day, ladies and gentlemen, was a day that we celebrate not because it was only one day in history, but because every day that you have ever felt the breath of God in your life, if you've ever felt Him put His arms of love around you in a desperate situation, ladies and gentlemen, it ought to be a, a reminder to all of us uh, that He is still a triumphant God, that He sits upon the circle of the earth, that heaven is His throne and earth is His footstool, and we ought to give Him praise and glory because greater is He that is in us than he that is in the world this was to be his last week the life of Jesus in Jerusalem on that last week was not a very easy week but for this moment it started with praise the Sanhedrin the Pharisees and the chief priests they were all looking for ways to destroy him but Luke says that they were having a hard time finding anything against him because the people were very attentive to what Jesus said. They were willing to sacrifice the branches from precious trees. This is a desert, ladies and gentlemen, and the shade and the greenery of palm branches is a treasure. They cut them down and they laid them in the streets. The Bible says that they took their garments, clothes perhaps, that many of them only had a small amount of, but they were willing to sacrifice for the arrival of Jesus in their lives. They put out their garments, their identity. They put out their security, their livelihood. They put it out on the streets and they put it on the donkey. And in so doing, they were declaring that Jesus is greater than all of my possessions. Jesus is greater than all of my security or identity. He's greater than anything I have in this world. He is great and greatly to be praised. Perhaps that they knew that David... David the king, the one that they all admired, the king that was the king of Israel during Israel's most prosperous time when Israel was powerful and free and blessed. They knew that David, the king at that time, that he took off his royal robe when the ark was coming into Jerusalem. And perhaps they recognized that it was at this very spot, the descent of the Mount of Olives, where David, he built a tabernacle that had one purpose, and that was to praise and to glorify God. Maybe they recognized that if David, their king, recognized the power and the presence of God, that they ought to recognize that Jesus is the power and the presence of God. And maybe that's what irritated the scribes and the Pharisees. It was too much for one man to receive this kind of worship and this kind of praise. But ladies and gentlemen, they could not stop it then and they cannot stop it now. It wasn't by accident that he was at that very place 
that I read to you in Matthew where it says he was at the descent of the Mount of Olives. Luke also records it. That was the place where David had prepared that tabernacle. And somehow, in those stones, though the tabernacle did not still stand, something was still reverberating in those stones and in those rocks. And when they tried to get Jesus to stop the people from praising him, he said that if they hold their peace, that the very stones will cry out. Oh, hallelujah. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you what, we are standing on the shoulders of giants today. There are past generations that gave their life for the freedom to worship God. We are not in a position to be able to hold our breath and to hold our praise because God has already got generations of worshipers and praisers that are in the ground. And if you and I that are alive cannot praise Him, I believe our God can cause the very graves to give up praisers and worshipers. Yes, I agree with you. It would have been beautiful praise for the Pharisees and the chief priests to praise him. Those that represented the presence of God. Those that represented all of the laws of the Old Testament that they still fulfilled. Those that took care of the tabernacle. It would have been beautiful praise for these individuals to praise God. But they reserved their voice for criticism and condemnation. But ladies and gentlemen, the praise came from the common man. It would be great for the kings and the presidents of this world to worship God regardless of their sitting in a palace or in a white house or in the Kremlin or wherever they may sit. It would be great for them to praise God with all of their declarations, but I'm not going to wait for somebody else to praise God. I know that my God receives praise from the common man, from the common woman from the stones as it were of this ground that said yeah I've got problems I've got trials I've had a rough week I've had a bad year but there's still some praise in these lungs the praise came from the man that only had a couple of sheep maybe and only a enough bread until he could get to the market. The praise came from folks uh, who had been blind and had withered hands. The praise came from those uh, that had been rejected and ridiculed. The praise, my friend, came from stony ground. The praise came from the man or woman that said, I may not have a lot of money, but I can lift my voice and declare the glory of God. I believe there's some people in this house today that said, I may not have a lot to give, but I've got a praise in my mouth. When we were in Israel last week, our guide, who had been a special agent for the Mossad, the Mossad is sort of the, I guess, the equivalent of our Navy SEALs in America. The Mossad is a special elite a group of individuals from Israel that are very effective at sort of squelching terrorism and feared all around the world. Our guide Ido was in the Mossad for a number of years as a Navy captain. And in that position, he was part of an elite group that answered only to the prime minister, hunted down terrorists 
in their homes and eliminated them. Sometimes being dropped thousands of feet above the earth and free falling for many miles and then opening their parachutes just before they land or sometimes going in under water in submarines and popping up in Tripoli, it, uh, Libya, where a terrorist had an enormous house on the side of the water and eliminating that terrorist. He said, but you never ever get over that stuff. And he told me in one private moment as we were talking, he said, I never did get a good night's sleep because once you take a man's life with your bare hands, you never ever get over it. You justify it. You say it's for a righteous cause. It's to save lives. It's for your country. But he says that doesn't help you with your own subconscious. And he said, every night I tossed and turned and the faces of those individuals would come to me. And he said, meanwhile, I had to get out of that. My wife told me, if you go on one more of these things and you don't come home, she said, I'm here to tell you, you're going to leave three sons here. You're going to leave a widow. She said, I don't want you in anymore. And he became a guide. He speaks seven languages. And you're going to see him in just a moment in a video. And uh, he started guiding Christian groups. He's a seven-generation Jew. His last name, Kenan, K-E-Y-N-A-N, even means Canaan. Edo was a name from the Old Testament, his first name. And so he, for all of these years, started taking Christian groups and and, and all of these different uh, Christian leaders from America. And he told me, he said, I started taking them around to all of these Christian sites. And he said, I would start to see all of the different things. And I would hear the different Christian leaders from America. And they would tell about what this meant. And they would tell about what that meant. And he said, I would have to tell them when I took them down to the Quorum Caves where they found the Dead Sea Scrolls. And he said, I would have to tell them that whenever Israel became a nation in 1947, it's also the same time that they found the Dead Sea Scrolls. It was almost as if God saying, I've got something for you now that you're back in Israel and you're back in the Holy Land and you're back in this land that I've given you and so the Dead Sea Scrolls after they had been hidden from man for all of those years they were revealed as a Bedouin shepherd boy was throwing rocks down off of a, of a little precipice and, and was trying to get a stray goat down there to come out into a field where he could climb down and try to get to, to this goat or this sheep that he had lost and so while he was throwing it he heard something crash they went down in there and found all of these vessels, uh, Dead Sea Scrolls. Uh, and Edo said, I had to tell them uh, that of all that we found in the Dead Sea Scrolls, there was one book that we found uh, in its entirety. And he said, uh, it was the book of Isaiah. And he said, you know why? Because Isaiah has more prophecies uh, about the Messiah than any other book in the Old Testament. And all of these years later, he said, God had preserved the book of Isaiah so that when those Jews came back, and took that land. He said, here was Isaiah revealed to him once again. Oh, for unto us a child is born. For unto us a son is given. And his name shall be called Wonderful. And he said, 20 years. 20 years. And he said, it was like water dripping on a rock. 20 years. He said, it was like water dripping on a rock. And he said, I started seeing all. And he said, I couldn't deny it anymore. He said, I started questioning whether or not really Jesus was the Messiah. But he said, it took me 20 years. He said, I was a rock. I was a stone. He said, I had done so much in my life. I never thought Jesus would save me or love me if he was the Messiah. But he said, every night, all of those faces would come back to me. And he said, they were all coming. And they would get in a line. And they would ask me for forgiveness. And he said, I couldn't figure out why. Why? 
He said, I couldn't sleep. I could only sleep maybe 20, 25 minutes at a time. And I would get up. And he said, there, I would see those faces and they would haunt me. And my wife would be like, what are you doing? And he said, I can't sleep. He said, every night it came to me until finally I couldn't resist any longer. And he said, I got out of my bed. And he knelt down beside his bed. And he said, God, whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever you are, he said, you've got to help me. I can't live like this the rest of my life. Why are these people coming to me and asking for forgiveness when I took their lives? And he said, God spoke to my heart and said, they're coming to you and asking for forgiveness because you were their judge. And whoever is your judge is who you must go to and ask for forgiveness. And he said, it was at that moment that I realized that Jesus Christ was my Messiah and he was my judge. And he said, from that moment, I started asking Jesus to forgive me of every sin and to cleanse my heart. And he said, from that moment till now, he said, I sleep like a baby every night. He said, there was a peace that came over me. He said, I was just a rock. I was just a stone. But he said, I couldn't resist it anymore. He said, it wasn't easy. I felt like I was betraying my nation. I was betraying all of those that had died before me. But he said, I couldn't resist it anymore. He said, the presence of God came over me. And I knew for myself that God is real. That Jesus is my Messiah. said just like water over a period of time hits a rock and it doesn't look like it's affecting the rock it looks like it's just bouncing off but he said if it just keeps hitting the rock after a while it'll make its mark on that rock it'll leave a little dentation it'll leave a crevice it'll it'll start to make its way he said for 20 years he said the water just kept hitting this old rock this old stony heart of mine he said the water just kept on hitting oh the presence of God just kept on hitting he said I was in the garden tomb I remember when they take communion he said I started feeling the presence of God I couldn't deny it anymore he said it took me 20 years but I couldn't deny it anymore he said I've got to have God to come into my heart I'm preaching to somebody today you think you've gone to too far you think you've done too much you think God can never save you you think that you're just stony ground but I've got news for you today there's a praise that's gonna come out of stony ground you got people in your family and you say oh God can never save them they make fun of me they can never come to Christ they've done too much in their past I've come to tell you there's a praise coming out of stony ground there's people you never thought were going to get saved are going to get saved in this year of the Jubilee and there's going to be a praise that's going to come from the most unlikely of places I said, there's going to come a praise from the most like, unlikely circumstances. It's no wonder that when we were in the upper room and we started praying, the Holy Ghost started moving. There was a group of us there and we talked a little bit about what it was Peter's message when he referred to David's sepulcher, which was just beneath where we were standing in that upper room. And he said, his sepulcher is with us unto this day. He was saying, the king who you love and admire... He has got a sepulcher. He died. He's got a grave. But he said, Jesus rose again. We don't have a place that we can point to and say, Jesus is buried there. 
that tomb is empty. We started talking about that, and I said, you know, we're in the upper room. We ought to just lift our voices. We're Pentecostal. This is the birth. This is the place wherever the Holy Ghost was poured out for the first time in the book of Acts, chapter 1 and 2. You ought to read it. And I said, we might as well lift our voices and hands and worship God. There were other people milling around in that room. We lifted our voices and, and our hands, and we started worshiping God like we just did a few minutes ago. And as we did, the Holy Ghost filled that room. We started speaking in tongues, and we started glorifying the Lord, and you could feel the presence of God fill that whole room. And then out of the corner of my eye, I could see a little guy with a little black, little beanie cap on, making his way over, and he had a real concerned look on his face. And he got over there, and he grabbed a couple of guys that were in our group and tried to pull their arms down and tried to tell them to be quiet. And all of a sudden, I saw Edo make a beeline for this little guy. I went, uh-oh. And boy, Edo got over there in front of this little guy, and he started talking to him in Hebrew and working him over, and the guy was pointing and waving and all that. And Edo would not let him stop us from worshiping God. He got right up there close to the guy, and he said, bah, 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 bah. he backed that little guy all the way up with his hand, <laughs> moved him all the way back, and he was trying to stop us, but the Holy Ghost was moving, and we kept on worshiping God right there in the upper room. I'm crazy enough to think we ought to worship God in Walmart. We ought to worship God in Walgreens. We ought to worship God in the courthouse. We ought to worship God in the schoolhouse. We ought to worship God in our jobs. Let everything that hath breath praise ye the Lord. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. We got all done. Edo was still, had that guy over in the corner. That guy went out a back door, and we talked for a little bit, and I said, Edo, they tried to, he said, don't worry about it, I took care of it. We come down out of the stairs, and we come down out of the stairs, that guy had run and got a Jewish police officer. And when we come down out of the stairs, the Israeli police were waiting for us as we come down out of the upper room. They said, leave it to David Myers to have the Israeli police called on the upper room. Everybody in my group started acting like they didn't know who I was. They were all willing to throw me under the bus. And Edo started talking in Hebrew to the police officer, talking this and that. And we were standing over there on the side. I didn't know what they were saying. They were all going at it in Hebrew. And then all of a sudden, I heard Edo say, and Pastor David Myers. And so I stepped over there. And he said, now I want you to listen to what this police officer has got to say. Here's the video on it. Sister Rachel uh, Gibson videoed it. The one on the right is the police officer. Turn it up loud. Second meeting but actually, no, it's like a tradition that uh, nobody knows if it's really Last Supper room or not really, but uh, somehow people believe like that. And uh, another thing we can give to people to pray, but not uh, now, just in a uh, fight, we need to listen first, uh, because status quo actually is forbidden. Second, there's another people, and it uh, couldn't uh, particularly appear. 
but it's uh, shouldn't bother others. They have to cure each other, they have to cure their guides. So it's, it's the reason. And this guy, you should know, he is responsible, he is uh, security. And also, according to his, uh, his security from the police, also. Uh, and if he comes and he says something uh, what to do, what not to do, he uh, studies what uh, is allowed and what is not allowed. So he is something. <laughs> Now wait, let me answer before Pastor Okay? One, when that guy that doesn't know much about religious and so on come and push two people to get in and here you can see he pushed two people to get in and stop them from praying, that is not allowed to do. Have you heard me or you want to overhear testimonies of three that will tell you that he did? That's not his job, so he doesn't know what his job is. If he comes, explain, at a sign something else, he rushed in. Okay? Sorry, that's not. Number two, this is a Christian site. And okay. there are Christians. Christians okay, well, it's, uh, I do understand. The point. pastor is here. Nobody heard you. And he's going to refer to what it is. Here here no problem. To to I, I think that the problem is open. Uh, we understand each other. Is it... Uh, we have that was Ido pointing to that little guy with the hat. He said he doesn't know what his job is. And that guy you saw him point, he still wanted Ido to get in trouble with that police officer. And whenever he found out that he had grabbed some of the guys, the police officer was like, I think this is resolved and everything's fine and there's no trouble. And they were all ready to go on. And as we walked away, Ito said to me, let me tell you something. He said, I cannot promise you this. If they knew who you guys were, they would be asking for you to pray. Not only in the upper room, but all over this country. He said, if you were Jewish, they would have never stopped you from praying. He's, we went down, we walked away from that encounter right there. We walked down there where David's tomb is, and we went in there, and those Jews, those Orthodox Jews were in there praying so loud you couldn't even hear yourself think. And we went away from there, and we walked about 30 steps down the street, and there was a big declared thing that went out where the Muslims calling them to pray, and it sounded throughout the whole city. They're not stopping the Muslims from praying. They're not stopping the Orthodox Jews from praying, but they don't want you and I that's got the Holy Ghost praying in the upper room. They said, you don't need to lift up your voice. I'm going to tell you what, we're going to lift up our voice because there's a praise in the stony ground. He's done too much for me. I want to preach to you Americans. We have been blessed and God has blessed us Pentecostals. This is not the time to sit back in the lap of luxury and to lose your praise. You ought to bless the Lord, oh my soul. You ought to declare his glory. You ought to declare his greatness. He is mighty. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 9 says, And think not to say within yourselves, this is where John was getting ready to baptize Jesus. He came over and baptized him in that Jordan River right where the children of Israel, we went down to that spot, right where the children of Israel crossed over the Jordan River when they came in to conquer Jericho. And Joshua told him, he said, build up a whole bunch of stones 
and let it be a memorial. He said, let that stone be there so all the other generations can see that this is a God who has given us victory. And we're crossing over the Jordan River. And he said, when it became dry ground, bring all the stones together. And he said, build a monument so everybody can know it. Well, here we are thousands of years later. And John is down in the Jordan River at the same place. And he's baptizing people. And he's baptizing. And here comes the Pharisees again out of the tabernacle or out of the temple. And they start criticizing John because John doesn't have a lot of polish. John, he doesn't know a whole lot about out, uh, you know, uh, how, to, how to speak in such a way that's pleasing to everybody's ears. Uh, he's just declared, you're a sinner. You need to repent. He's dressed all in all kinds of camel skins. Uh, he's been out in the wilderness. Uh, he's been eating locusts and wild honey. And he's got one message. Uh, and it is, you need to repent of your sins. And it ruffled all the feathers. And they came out and they started shaking their fingers at John the Baptist and telling John the Baptist that he needed to get a different kind of message. And who did he think he was? And Matthew chapter 3 and verse 9. And he said to those Pharisees and to that Sanhedrin, And think not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. Think not that you're not the only ones that God can use. God's going to find somebody. He doesn't have to be the Jews. He doesn't have to be the Pentecostal. He's going to find somebody if he's got to get the very rock to cry out. He said, think not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones. What stones? Those stones that they had built as a memorial when they came over the Jordan River. He said, he's able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. He's saying, you don't have some kind of a franchise right on God. God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. You say, well, who's he talking about? He's talking about you and me. I said, he's talking about you and me. We weren't born into this, but we have been adopted into this. Oh, I'm so glad that God has given me a chance to be able to declare the glory of God. I'm so glad that God has filled us with his spirit. I'm so glad that this is not for some denomination. It's not for some nationality. It's not for only one culture. It's not for only one language. It matters not if you're rich or poor. All you got to do is have a praise in your mouth. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. That was a prophetic ministry because just... In a few moments after he made that declaration, he baptized Jesus in the Jordan River. Right there in that stony ground where the river is very thin. And then it would be the ministry of Jesus that would so upset the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin and the chief priests. Because Jesus went into Samaria where they thought those people who were half Jew and half Gentile were too unclean. The priests from uh, the saint, he, they would never ever walk into Samaria. But Jesus came right up in the middle of Samaria and sat on the well where everybody gathered. And a lady came and wanted to discuss theology. And he said, uh, I know who you are. I know what your need is. Uh, you've been married five times and who you're with now is not your husband. But I've got water that you can drink of uh, that's more than just this natural water coming out of this well. There's some spiritual water. There's some waters of refreshing that's going to come. He went into Capernaum. He went into Samaria. You know why? He said there's going to be a praise if it comes from the stony ground and those that everybody else has rejected. 
He said, I've come from those individuals. They rejected him in Jerusalem. So he's made his way up. And there in the Galilee area, the stones begin to worship. The wild olive branch would be grafted in. The publicans and the prostitutes would praise him. The stony ground would cry out. Blind Bartimaeus would cry out from the wayside. Can I tell you what the wayside is? The wayside is stony ground. Only the area where they walked was smooth and clear so their animals could traverse that area. But that is a desert. There are rocks and stones everywhere. When they put Bartimaeus on the wayside, they put him over in stony ground and said, you better sit over here because we know sometimes you can get a little loud. Oh, they want to push you and I in a corner because we say we know how you Pentecostals are. Sometimes y'all get a little carried away. Don't ever apologize for your praise. Don't ever apologize for your passion for a living God. This is not the day to get sophisticated and to get all quiet. This is a day to lift your voice like a trumpet and declare the glory of God. He was in the stony ground on the wayside. But when he heard the crowd getting closer, the Bible said he cried out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And they all got around and tried to tell him to keep quiet. Come on, Barnabas. We put you over here so you can keep quiet. You're over here on the stony ground. And if you don't keep quiet, we're going to take away your begging permit. They probably threatened him with all kinds of ordinances and laws. Now you're over here. You're going to get in trouble. Nobody's going to carry you. You're going to be even really bad. And the Bible said he cried out that much the more. The more they tried to keep him quiet and push him in a corner, the more he cried out, Jesus! You can't put baby in a corner. You can't put a brother or sister in a corner that's got a praise in their heart and say, you better be quiet. You better keep it quiet. He said, I'm going to cry out the more because there's only one guy here that can heal my blinded eyes. Oh, you can praise him at the ball games, you know. You can go down there and praise the athletes, run them down the court, and, and they got all kind of stamina, and they throw a ball. But I'm going to tell you something. There's only one that's going to heal you. There's only one that can give you peace of heart and peace of mind like Edo was talking about. And it's not going to be an NFL player or an NBA player or an NLB player. It's not going to be some athlete in this world. Oh, no. It's going to be Jesus of Nazareth that can heal your blinded eyes and your spiritual eyes. Oh, yes. He can give you joy where there was no joy. He can turn your mourning into dancing. He can give you gladness and peace. Gadarean demoniac. Mark 5 records, and always night and day he was in the mountain and in the tombs, cutting and crying himself, or crying and cutting himself with stones. Here's more stony ground. Gadarean demoniac, man full of devils. He's living in the graveyards, and he's cutting 
himself with stones and crying. He's beside himself because of this evil, evil spirits that have inhabited his body. But look at what verse 6 says of Mark 5. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. Here's some more praise from Stony Ground. Oh, I don't think you could ever be saved. You got a whole bunch of devils in you. There's a praise coming out of Stony Ground. Oh, I don't think God could ever save all them 800 people that we feed every week over there at Hands for Healing. There's a praise coming out of Stony Ground. I don't think God's going to ever bring revival to the country of Haiti. They've gone too far. They've turned their nation over to the devil. I'm telling you, there's a praise that's coming out of Stony Ground. You go ahead and sit there and act all like you got everything under control. But if you get desperate enough, you don't care what anybody thinks. You don't care what you look like. There's going to be a praise. There's going to be a worship. You can stand. 1 Peter 3, 5 says, Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house. He's saying, you're a lively stone and holy priest to the offer of spiritual sacrifices, acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. We noticed something when we were in Israel. All the Jewish graves did not have flowers on them. They don't do it. All those tombs are all there on the Mount of Olives. They'll show you pictures. They're all lined up. And they're all facing that eastern gate. Because they all want to be first in, first in line. When the trumpet sounds. And so as you look over that... There's all of them on. They're looking over the Temple Mount area, and that's the eastern gate that's right over there on the right-hand side. The Muslims came in and put a Muslim cemetery on the other side, and they stopped up the gate because they said, we know there's a prophecy that the Messiah is going to come through that gate. So we're going to put a Muslim uh, cemetery over there, and we're going to stop up the gate because just in case that prophecy is true, we know he won't come through a Muslim cemetery. I got news for you. My God can go through any cemetery, Muslim, Jewish, Christian, Hindu, it matters not. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. But over here on the Mount of Olives, they're all lined up. And they're ready for when that trumpet sounds. But as you look into all those cemeteries, they'll show you another picture, they're up closer. Those tombs that are up out of the ground. There's no flowers on them, but the families, they come and put rocks on them, and they put rocks on them, and they put rocks on them, because they know there's a scripture that these rocks are going to cry out. Good God Almighty. 
They're saying, I believe there's going to come a day when Messiah's going to come back. And I know he's in the ground, but here's some rocks. Because one day the rocks are going to cry out. They never throw those rocks away. They keep putting them on there. And every time the caretakers come by and they see all those rocks, that lets them know that they've got family that's still visiting. they got families that are coming and standing by those tombs. And they're praying over them the scriptures that one day Messiah's going to come. You hear what I'm telling you today, ladies and gentlemen? There's a praise that's going to come out of stony ground. There's a people all over this world that's looking for one day when our Jesus comes back. They may not believe it's Jesus, but they're looking for a Messiah. And so the families come and they put one more stone and they put one more stone and they say, well, that represents strength. We don't do flowers, but we do stones. And I couldn't help but think there's a praise that's coming out of stony ground. Because one day the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain. Why is it that the dead in Christ get to go first? Let me tell you why. Because their voices have been silent for many years. That praise is still reverberating in all of these tombs and graves all over this world. There's a praise that's getting ready to burst up out of there. Ladies and gentlemen, do you think while I've got breath in my lungs uh, that I'm going to keep quiet and I'm going to stay quiet? Let me tell you something today. If God has ever done anything for you, I want you to step out of where you're standing right now. This is going to be the world's fastest altar call we've ever had. If God's ever done anything for you at all, if he's done anything in you for all, that you can give praise to him. I want you to step out from where you're standing right now and gather down here in the front because uh, we're going to spend just a couple of moments uh, and we're going to bless the Lord our God. Uh, come on, if God's ever delivered you out of anything, if God's ever healed your body, if God has ever touched you in the midnight hour, come on, you say, I don't have a lot, but I've got a praise. I can worship God today. That's it. Press down just as close as you can. If you can't get to the front, lift up your voices and lift up your mouths and shout unto God with the voice of triumph.
Oh, thank you, Lord. Lift Jesus higher. Lift him higher. Lift Jesus higher. I just came to magnify. I come to praise you. Now, here's what I feel of the Holy Ghost today. I want to know, is there any blind Bartimaeuses that's in the crowd? Somebody that said, I got to have a touch from God today. I don't have the luxury of tonight or tomorrow or next week. But I need God to do it right now, right this moment. Are there any Bartimaeuses that are here? You say, I ain't worried about what anybody else thinks. I need God to touch me right now. If you're a blind Bartimaeus, I want you to make your way down to the front here. Make some room. I need the Bartimaeuses to come down. You're saying, I want God to touch me right now. I need a miracle. I need a healing. Make way right now in the name of Jesus. Here comes the Bartimaeuses. Come on down here. Come on down. Press through the crowd. Anybody over here? Right in this area. You said, I need God to do it right now. Make your way down to the front. Where's my Barnabas is at? That's it. It doesn't matter how loud I got to cry. I believe God can touch me. I believe God can do it. I feel the Holy Ghost. From this stair all the way over to that stair. These are the Barnabases. Now all of you that are behind them, I want all of you Barnabases to know this. This crowd that is around you is not going to stop you from worshiping God. In fact, they're going to join you in worshiping God. And we're going to help create an atmosphere so that you've got boldness to say, God, I need your touch right now in the name of Jesus. Now, all of you that know how to worship God, I want you to gather around behind them right now. Come around behind them right now. Those of you that can't get here, maybe you can just stretch your hand out right here. But I want us to worship God right now, and I want us to declare the glory of God louder and stronger than we ever have before. Come on, apostolics. Come on, Pentecostals.